Good morning and welcome to the Revolve Recap Weekly Podcast where we help the members of the Revolve Church deepen their connection to God, His family, His mission. This is David McCumber and with me today is Steve Tecco. Oh man, Steve Tecco <laughs> filling in the big shoes of, they call him Big Shoes Billy Lackey, that's what they call him. But. Oh boy. So, well, thank you for joining us, Steve. We're going to get recapping, and uh, today we're going to be talking about, well, Steve's going to, if you were with us on Sunday, Palm Sunday, we were talking about the Sabbath, and Steve's going to go a little deeper and just kind of give us a recap and talk a little bit more about uh, the sermon and and maybe some of the things that he found interesting and some opportunity to go a little deeper with that. And then we're going to have a Q&A with Steve and get to know him a little bit more, we we feel like this is a really good opportunity for people to get to know the elders uh, a little deeper. And you hear Bill and I tell our stories all the time. So now we get to hear some new stories and then we'll end with a call to action of, you know, how we can be obeying God's word this week as uh, as the body revolve. So, but Steve, we got to start with our favorite, our favorite way to start the show. Bill and I would love to do the question of the day. And it's usually a surprise. <laughs> and a few weeks ago, we did, what's your brand? That was the question of the day. And and we, we, we talked about, what's your brand? I said my brand was Carhartt. And I think that's more of a dream. I'm not really hardworking enough as I'd like to be. I'd like to be, you know, looked as rugged. You know, I have a beard, but... I don't have any calluses on my hands, so I don't know if I can be Carhartt. I think Bill's was Patagonia or North Face or Walmart or something. I don't remember <laughs> what his is. But, 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 Steve, what's your brand? What's your brand? What's uh, the Steve Teco brand? Uh, well, David, I have to tell you that um, the question caught me a bit flat-footed, and um, this may uh, reveal a bit of my character on the um, the seedy side, perhaps. Uh, but, uh, but I'll launch out... Um, you know, what came to my mind and, uh, immediately and initially is, are you ready for this? Uh, not, um, not good for an elder, but the Godfather. <laughs> the, uh, and not because, uh, David, I, I envision myself as a, as a modern-day Luca Brazzi. No. Or not even because I, I um, run my family as, uh, as, as Don Corleone might. Um, but the, I guess the, the one line in The Godfather that, that stood out to me is that um, uh, there's nothing more important than family. And um, that is, um, that's really important to me. Uh, not, not just my uh, family, my wife, my children, my immediate family, but um, if I could somehow uh, take this theme and, and redirect it a bit, uh, the church family. Is, is really very important to me as well. As we spend time together, as we build up one another, as we encourage one another, uh, as we uh, journey in uh, and, and along the way, uh, that's very important because there's, there's so many things in life that are discouraging. And I think that's one of the reasons why the church is so important to me. And it should be so important uh, for all of us, uh, because we are a really a forever family. Well, that's a that's a that's a really good way to spin that, Steve. You did a great <laughs> job, really <laughs> taking the long way around of justifying that answer. I liked it. It was very good. Well done. Well done. Um, I was kind of hoping that it was going to be like, you know, you may not know this, but Steve is one of the better dressed elders, and I was hoping it was going to be like. I always like your vans. You always have good vans. Um, whenever I see Bill has a new shirt and I go, Bill, that's a great shirt. It's Steve's. So it's normally <laughs> what happens is is Bill is wearing something that I really like, and it turns out it was just yours. Hand me down. So, uh, Well, David, I have to tell you, every every year that I get older, it becomes a greater challenge to make an endeavor, you know, at least, to... Um, to be cool. It's something that I just naturally don't gravitate towards, so I, I need all the help that I could get. Well, that comes as a surprise to us. So, 
All right. Well, we are going to move into looking up where we, you know, when we think about our triangle here at Revolve, we connect to God, connect to God's family, we connect to God's mission. So looking up is how we connect to God. And uh, let's talk about the sermon. So Steve, uh, it was a packed day yesterday at the at the two mile Revolve <laughs> Church. It's a good day, though. Yeah, it was uh, was really a good day. Yep, a lot of folks there, and um, we uh, kind of moved on a little bit in another phase of Leviticus. Uh, there's been so much time spent um, with regard to the sacrifices and how they relate. Uh, to uh, our New Testament uh, understanding, and certainly uh, Jesus being central uh, to those sacrifices. But yesterday, we began a new section where we're going to spend uh, the next few weeks looking at some of the feasts that uh, the Lord has provided and appointed for the nation Israel. And those feasts, uh, David, are are designed so that uh, Israel might um, reflect uh, might contemplate in the past what God has done, a God event, um, and at the same time, a reflection on God's provision. Uh, don't forget that the events of Leviticus were, were written during the wilderness experience. And so there, there was that uh, provision that um, the nation was to reflect upon, but at the same time, the feasts had this direction of looking ahead, and there, there was that sense of anticipation. And all of the feasts uh, anticipate the coming of Messiah in some way, either uh, reflecting on his life, his death, his resurrection. So there's uh, much like we celebrate communion, there's an element where we look back in reflection, but there's also a sense of looking ahead in anticipation. And so that's really central in the heart of the feasts. Well, I think if, if we can come away with one big takeaway of this whole study of Leviticus, and I really I hope that the church is grasping this, is that it's all about Jesus. Hmm. That yeah. is that is the whole I mean Leviticus, but the whole word the whole word of God points to Jesus, and uh, I really hope that the church is picking that up. You know, David, I had a professor, and I, I hope I didn't write it down, but I'm, I'm hoping I can remember it at this point, but I had a professor that used to relate the Testaments one to another, and he had this little uh, limerick of sorts, which, uh, again, I hope I can remember. Um, he, he would say, comparing the New and the Old Testament, the New is in the Old contained the old is in the new explained. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Okay. So those, uh, those people that um, claim to be lovers of God and followers of Jesus that um, sometimes can neglect the Old Testament are really missing out on so much because it's, it's like a bud that slowly opens and flowers beautifully in the New Testament, but you miss out on so much if, if you lack that relationship between the Testaments. Yeah, I, th- I think what, and, and some of that could be, and I, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back here at Revolve, but I think, I mean, a lot of that lack of appreciation comes from a lack of teaching and explanation. I think it's just... If if a, if a, if the pastors or the elders or the teachers aren't making that correlation for people, or equipping them to read the Bible, you know, in a in a healthy hermeneutic uh, way, yeah, I mean that people can miss that. But I feel like Revolve does a good job teaching the the old and the new coming together. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a real bold and courageous step to actually preach through the Book of Leviticus. <laughs> Um, I've heard isolated sermons, and I've probably um, preached a, a few isolated sermons, uh, certainly um, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, but to uh, march through the book, as uh, Pastor Bill has been doing, um, is really uh, um, a courageous step. Yeah. So when you see Pastor Bill, you know, make sure you 
make sure you thank him and uh you know he's he did get a some much needed rest this weekend and we uh we talked this morning about elders about you know giving him a couple couple weeks off after Leviticus to to really just kind of give his brain a rest because it is a it's a challenge to uh to ch- to preach you know verse by verse chapter by chapter through Leviticus but um so Steve why don't you share what was there anything that you know you really um didn't get to to go as deep on uh for the sake of time yesterday or anything that really stood out for you in your studies well you know david what what really stood out to me was and and we we know this as we read through the gospel stories but it really was uh, brought home in a in a new in a in a fresh way it it seemed that jesus would go in some cases out of his way to confront the misunderstanding and the misdirection of what Sabbath rest was all about. And it, it seemed to me that the heart of the invitation that Jesus would give to the multitudes, come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, the question is, heavy laden with what? Mm-hmm. And uh, the initial thought would be would be a general invitation, those who were just heavy laden with life in a general sense. And although that's true, uh, I think the context indicates that um, Jesus was was addressing the the burdens and the rules and the lists of do's and don'ts that were added to the Old Testament law by the uh, ancient rabbis that um, made the Sabbath a burden rather than a delight. Yeah. And I think uh, it was one of the missions of Jesus to redirect their thinking toward Sabbath rest, and of course then Jesus presented himself as the ultimate Sabbath rest or the uh, year of uh, Jubilee, the favored year of the Lord. So I think um, what you're a little bit about what you're touching on, I think, reinforces our need for a healthy hermeneutic, because I feel like that come to me, uh, all you who are heavy burdened, and I, you know, my yoke is easy, is often, uh, I don't want to say misquoted, but it, it it is in this particular context was talking about the burden of these extra religious rules. Uh, not not simply the burdens of life, which which is within the message of Jesus in in other places, you know, to to be free from sin and the guilt and shame that's connected to that. But um, that's really important for us when we're studying the Word, and we've been talking about this in the hermeneutics class of reading the whole chapter and knowing the the context of the whole chapter. So I think that's a, a really good example of that particular passage when when you were sharing that. Uh, what was the the passage we had talked about? This morning, when you were talking about the the mat and the and the the man uh, taking up his mat, you were talking about Jesus being a little confrontational to the. Uh, <laughs> you elaborate on that yes, a little bit. Yes, that uh, that's in John chapter five. Um, the story there is the uh, the pool of Bethesda, and the tradition was that as the waters were stirred, the first one in the pool would be healed. Um, probably nothing more than than a tradition. But it was interesting that uh, John, the author, made it very clear that uh, Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. So again, there, there was an intentional um, confrontation to the misunderstanding of Sabbath rest. And uh, what Jesus indicated to this man uh, was to take up your bed or take up your mat and walk. Um, what was interesting is that um, this man really didn't need his mat any longer. Yeah. Uh, Jesus could have said, uh, leave your mat for the next person who might need it yeah. because I've healed you. You can walk. There's no longer that need for that mat. And yet one of the many uh, violations of the Sabbath in the um, Mishnah, one of the rabbinic 
books that were commentaries on the law and added so many extra laws. Uh, one of the laws were that you were not allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. And uh, Jesus, as I, as I said, could have said, get up and walk. Yeah. And in deference to the Pharisees, uh, you know, the religious leaders, leave your mat behind. But he didn't. Yeah. He said, take up your bed, take up your mat and walk. That's great. Uh, so there again is that uh, confrontational spirit um, for the purpose of really teaching and redirecting and restoring the idea of Sabbath rest. Yeah, that really, uh, just that that element is really showing the multi-layered um, advantage of, of studying God's Word. It's so rich. You know, there's there's the meaning, you know, but then there's so, when you, when you read God's Word and you spend time studying God's Word, uh, there's so much more richness to the teaching and to the text, and uh, that's a really, that's a really beautiful um, illustration of that, so... Um, so what would, is there anything else that, that you were, uh, like, what was your kind of your, your big takeaway of, you know, we often talk about how, um, I, I'm going to misquote Bill, but he talks about how, you know, self-convicting, uh, sermons are often the most powerful ones. And, uh, was there anything that was your, you know, your big takeaway of, of studying the scriptures? Uh, th- there were a couple things, David, that, that stood out. Uh, to me, and and once again, the the distinction of Christianity as uh, compared to other religions, and uh, namely that um, other religions uh, demand, and the word that I used was do, <laughs> do, do, perform, um, uh, work, in other words, but Jesus proclaims done. And I think that is really the, once again, I was reminded of, of the beauty and the uniqueness of Christianity, where religion is often working your way to God through a number of different means, doing the right things, being the right person, um, uh, you know, believing in a certain way. And uh, Jesus repeatedly shared the message of um, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. So I thought just to be reminded again of the distinction of do versus done, um, I thought something else, which I, I didn't relate yesterday, that I've been reflecting on was... Um, Of course, yesterday was Palm Sunday, and um, sometimes we may forget that after Jesus entered the city for the second time, not just the first time, but for the second time, he went into the temple. And our Bibles indicate, usually by way of a heading, the the cleansing of the temple. And what was going on, of course, is that uh, the priests, in preparation for uh, for the Passover, Um, had animals to sell. Now, people were permitted to bring their own animals, but they had to be inspected by the priests, and they never passed muster. The priests always found some defect so that they couldn't use their animals, but the priests would say, fortunately for you, we have some animals here that you could purchase. For, for you. For, fortunately for you. Fortunately for you. Yes, And uh, sometimes we get the idea that... Um, that Jesus chased the unrighteous priests out of the temple. And as I was reflecting on the message, I I wondered if, in fact, Jesus was chasing the priesthood from the temple, meaning that now he was the sacrifice that was final and forever. There was no longer the need for a priesthood because now... Through Christ, believers uh, are believer priests. And interestingly, in about a week when Jesus was on the cross, that four-inch curtain that separated where the high priest would go on the Day of Atonement from the holy place, uh, of course, was torn from top to bottom 
which would give you the indication again that the, the priesthood uh, was no longer needed by way of access because now through Christ, and of course the writer to the Hebrews emphasizes that he was the superior priest to the line of uh, Levi, uh, now we have direct access to God. So that was one of the other um, points that... Um, that I reflected on because I had always thought that it was a matter of driving out the unrighteous priests. But uh, upon reflection, I'm, I'm wondering if in fact it was driving out of the old system, the old wineskins, so yeah. to speak. Which was then completed a week later. The work was finally done, like yes. you said. Wow, that was that's, that's great. I like that, just that the, uh, the contrast of do, doing, or or done and the work has already been done so amen so we're just gonna we're just gonna take a quick break and uh we are going to look up or look in and we're just gonna talk to to steve a little bit get to know him a little bit more and uh so we will be right back All right. Well, welcome back. We are going to uh, just talk to to Steve a little bit more. Get to know uh, one of the one of the elders here at Revolve. So, Steve, let's go. Let's hit the rewind. Go back, way back. How did you come to know the Lord? I don't know if I even know this story. In all the years, I don't know your. Uh... What do you mean, David? Way back. Can you uh, define exactly what you meant by that crack? Oh, <laughs> now I caught you flat-footed. Right? Yes, that was very good. <laughs> Touche. Uh, wait, well, it is actually way back. Okay. Um, it was uh, during my days at um, Villanova University. Um, was the first that, Bush uh, president, or was it when the second Bush was president? Was yeah. it which one? Uh, I I think it was Jefferson, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, at the time. Um, a student Christian uh, organization called Campus Crusade for Christ, I believe now they uh, just call themselves CREW, um, was on the campus at Villanova, and uh, that is, uh, was and is a Roman Catholic school, an Augustinian school. I was um, Roman Catholic in my belief, and um, I first heard the simplicity of the gospel, which really struck me. Uh, for the first time, I, I heard that um, Jesus was my Savior and that I needed to individually invite him into my life to be my personal Savior. It, it wasn't enough to know about Jesus, but the idea of faith was more than just intellectual assent, but uh, the word actually means to to cling to, to trust in, to rely on. And I, I wasn't doing that in my relationship with, um, with God through the Lord Jesus. And um, I realized my, uh, my need for a Savior. So that was uh, during the campus, during my college days. Now, did that happen? How did that work? Was that a, was that a service that I invited you to? Or, or what, what was the, I, I guess, for lack of better words, the method of making that connection? Well, it was a one-to-one -one, okay. uh, personal relationship yeah. with a brother in Christ, and there was something about his life that was attractive hmm. to me. And, uh, you know, David, when you see something in other people that's attractive, when you see something that you like, you want it for yourself, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's why they make locks for bicycles, right? <laughs> <laughs> that so, is the reason. Uh, when people see something they like, they want it for themselves. And I wanted that. Um, my, my life was um, basically reflecting my circumstances. If things were going well for me, um, I was happy. Hmm. If things not so well, going through some tough stretches, um, my, my countenance reflected that as well. But he seemed to have this steadiness regardless of uh, his life situations and uh, that that was appealing to me yeah um, I think that that's really uh, I think that's cool because you know we talk about that so much in revolve of you know 
having these discipleship relationships and having these spiritual conversations and it was uh, it was life changing in your in your case. Um, so I know for a long time you were involved and still are involved in, in ministry within the Czech Republic. How did that how did that leap happen from from Steve at Villanova with crew to um, Steve and the secret police in the Czech Republic? <laughs> what, how did that how did that leap happen? Well, it was a it was a long leap. Um, after graduating at Villanova, I went out to Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon, uh, got um, a degree there in uh, pastoral training, was uh, a pastor of a church, uh, actually a church planter I was, in Syracuse, New York for, um, for about seven years. And it was during that time that I came in contact with a, a gentleman who was Czech in background. Uh, he fled Czechoslovakia at the end of World War II, uh, was actually shot as he was leaving, wounded. Uh, he ended up in the Syracuse, New York area. Uh, I met him, and he introduced me to a number of pastors from then. The country was still Czechoslovakia, a communist country. And um, for one reason or another, they were granted, in, in a few cases, uh, visas where they could come and visit America. And in one case, um, one Czech pastor had family members here. Uh, so by one means or another, they came to this area um, and uh, came to our church. And they delivered a message. Uh, this gentleman that I knew in Syracuse that I met would translate the message. And all of these uh, brothers would leave with the same invitation to me. And that was, um, well, I visited your church. Now I would like to invite you to, to my church. Oh, that's great. And so that's, that's how it happened. Now, when they, they said this, the first thing I thought about is, of course, being a communist country, pastors spent time in jail. Um, my, my thought was, um, you know, when, when you don't want to do something, but you want to sound spiritual, you say, uh, well, we, uh, we have to pray about this. Yeah, you know, yeah that's, that's wise. That's always, that's wise. you know, when you want to tread spiritual water. Um, but then after we went through a building program, um, I, I, the Lord worked in my heart. I really wanted to go. Uh, it was still communist country at the time, um, but I did make a trip there, did have uh, a little encounter with the secret police <laughs> as I was bringing literature into the country. Uh, fortunately, didn't end up in jail. Uh, but um, my wife uh, asked this gentleman in Syracuse uh, as he was preparing me to go. She said, um, his name was uh, Lou. She said, Lou, is there any chance that um, Steve could get into trouble in Czechoslovakia? And his answer was, Mrs. Teko, there are no guarantees for ministry in Eastern Europe, but I can tell you that the Apostle Paul did some of his best work while in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest easy, Bonnie. Yeah. There we go. Now, at this time, were, what was, I mean, you, did you, were the, were the girls born? Yeah, our first, our first three. The first three were, were home, and um, I have to tell you, David, uh, I couldn't have done what, um, what I was able to do in terms of this ministry were it not for my partnership with, uh, with Bonnie in this ministry. She, yeah. You know, the, the, the kids were young, uh, and, um, and I would be away three weeks at a time, and then I'd come back for about a month, and then I'd go for another three weeks. Um, and while I was back, I was doing a lot of traveling in churches here in America, sharing an update of what God was doing there. Uh, so, yeah, Bonnie was definitely uh, uh, a partner in every respect of this ministry. She, she, she sacrificed yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, and we still see, uh, you know, with that now with, you know, with Bill and I, when we, we do a lot of traveling, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy burden on our, on our families, but um, again, pointing back to the, the beauty of the local church, we can help one another, and, and that's really um, a big part of that. So what would you say, what, what were some of the, I don't want to 
spend too much time on war stories, but you know, what are some uh, maybe a, a particular memory that stands out of of just seeing God work, or or uh, you know? Well, there there were uh, there's so many yeah. so many remembrances of uh, these dear brothers that that I worked with. Um, in in one case, one pastor that I worked with was actually um, carrying Bibles from one part of Czechoslovakia and delivering them to another part. And uh, Bibles, the code word for Bibles back then uh, was fruit. Okay. And so the secret police were watching this, this one pastor. They were... S- suspicious that he was, uh, you know, uh, a courier. And so he was, uh, he was stopped by the secret police, and they, they said to him, uh, what are you carrying? And, and he, he said, um, well, I'm, I'm heading to such and such a city, and I'm delivering some fruit. Yeah. Uh, well, by and by, um, they investigated, and they put him in jail, and they put in, they put these 200 Bibles away as evidence. Well, gradually, in secret police headquarters, these Bibles began to disappear. (laughs) The one secret police, for example, his grandmother would say, could you get me one of those Bibles? Wow. And so he would go in and take one. Um, Somebody else made this little side deal going that he could make some money by delivering 20 Bibles to somebody else. So he had a little business going. And one way or another, by the time it got to court, there were about 15 Bibles left in that back room. And, you know, it's funny, but at the same time, you know, God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. And if he wants to get his word out, he he will use anyone and, and everyone in his own way. Well, what happened was this smuggler eventually was released because the judge scolded the police to take up the court's time for such a, a small offense. Of yeah, it was fif- only 15 Bibles. 15 Bibles. So that, that was just one of many stories, some of them, some of them funny. Even after the fall of communism, some of the, the humorous things. I left one church with uh, a pastor who had done a lot of smuggling. It was a, it was a cold, heavy night. And the city was uh, Liberets in, in North, uh, the, the, now the Czech Republic. And we went out after the service. We were the last to go. We were visiting, and, and we went out, and there was this heavy fog, and it was really thick. So he went out, and he buttoned his top button, and he looked up, and he saw the fog, and he looked at me. And this is after um, the, the revolution where they were no longer communist. But he looked at me and he said, "Oh, brother, it is a smuggler's night tonight." <laughs> <laughs> so, so there there was some humor in it as well. But uh, these were uh, dear, courageous brothers, and it was really a privilege to meet them and to uh, have ministry with them. So, what are you know? We still, as as Revolve, are still connected to some of these contacts. What 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 fruit are we still seeing today, based off of the you know the sewing that you were doing. Yeah, one one uh, uh, shared uh, the story of uh, two pastors that I've worked with. One um, had uh, a son who came to the U.S. and went to seminary here. Um, worked with Word of Life, uh, was trained at Word of Life, and before his um, three years at seminary, and he was actually um, just had this tremendous passion to, um, for theological education and to develop a seminary that would be able to equip uh, pastors. Many of the pastors in Czech were not theologically trained, and in some cases were all over the place. Their hearts were right, but uh, they needed some um, refining and some of their thinking and teaching. And uh, as a result of this, uh, now he has opened uh, a theological seminary, um, and at the moment, uh, his campus is hosting uh, 21 Ukrainian refugees 
on on where they're they're staying in some of these little uh, flats or, or apartments uh, with a common kitchen and and uh, he is very much involved um, so this has been one example of the continuation into the next generation um, another individual that we support has established um, I believe it's been 12 churches since the fall of communism. He is um, literally a, a go-go boy for the gospel. Um, yeah. He is a natural or supernatural, I should say, church planter. He is uh, gifted in that regard. That's his passion. And even now, he is, um, as an older brother in the Lord, you would think he might be slowing down, but uh, he's continuing to establish churches, and, and now he is working on um, converting an old farm into a bit of a, basically a retreat center for, for pastors who um, in many cases are under a lot of stress, even as they are here in, in our own country, um, a place where they could go for rest and retreat and reflection. And uh, so our ministry um, is uh, endeavoring to assist him to, in, in this project. So the work is continuing, uh, and, and it's really been a blessing to see uh, what God has done through the individual efforts of, um, you know, little, little people like uh, myself and uh, little churches like our Revolve Church. It's, it's really just been a matter of great, and I, and I say it carefully, um, godly pride yeah. uh, to be a part of, of our church family. You, you reference that we're still, um, in, in a sense, going out in faraway places with uh, strange sounding names where the where the gospel is in some cases illegal mm -hmm. um in 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 some cases you and bill have actually been to these places as have others in our congregation so that's exciting and i'm i'm really um as i say proud in a in a i hope a godly way to be a part of a church that has this vision yeah, and we, we really, we can and we do give glory to God to think about, you know, thinking of you and, and your your Czech brother walking down the street after that service uh, in the fog and, and imagine thinking this place would have a seminary, church planning, a Bible museum. I mean, there's a Bible museum. Yeah. You used to smuggle in Bibles, and now there's a Bible museum uh, in the city. And, man, what what a... What a testimony to, to the power of God, because, you know, if you were to look back on that time to think, what what's God going to do? It probably, a Bible museum probably wasn't on the radar. No, not at all. And yeah. and uh, at the same time, uh, David, as um, we spent a little time during the winter months um, doing some classes on church history and Reformation history, uh, the, the heritage in what used to be um, called Bohemia uh, was very rich. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, um, we have uh, Jan Hus, the uh, Roman Catholic priest who was burned at the stake in the year 1415 because he wanted the Bible translated into the language of the people. Uh, there's a there's really a rich spiritual heritage in that part of the world. and. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's been exciting to see um, God's hand at work. Amen. So let's uh, let's let's shift over to uh, what's tell us about the the Teco family. Give us a little, uh, you know, who are the Tecos? We have we have Bonnie. We've heard you talk about your girls. Can you give us an update of just, just who 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 are the Tecos? Maybe some new people in the church may not know who you who you guys are and. Just let us know a little bit about your family. Well, uh, currently, um, Bonnie and I are operating uh, a business in Wildwood Crest. We have a motel. Um, my one daughter, Gina, who is uh, Pastor Bill's wife, has been a great um, um, helper in the, in the business. Um, she is uh, handling um, a good part of the technical side of it. 
that uh, is very foreign to me, David. So that's why I, I'm not a technical person, but wow. I really value those people yeah, like yourself who awful. are. <laughs> so, Thank you. Because it's so foreign to, to my gifts and well, ability. Um, <clears throat> Gina is um, also, of course, uh, Pastor Bill's wife, and um, she has um, done a lot behind the scenes over the years with Revolve Church. Um, she's the second of uh, four daughters. We have four daughters, David. And the reason we have four daughters is we did not want five. <laughs> so, now, yes. that is a that's a joke. That is. Um, they have been uh, they've been a great joy. Uh, three of them are married. Uh, my fourth, uh, Gabriella, who's a teacher in um, the Philadelphia, will be married in two weeks. Yeah, it's coming up. Um, all to um, uh, men who love the Lord, and so that's that's been a great joy. And uh, we have six grandchildren, seventh on the way. Okay. Uh, my th- uh, first daughter, Nicole, is uh, a part of Revolve Church family, and she's a teacher of the deaf in the Atlantic City uh, School District. I mentioned Gina. Our third daughter, Angela, is uh, she's the athlete of the family, and she is the uh, head cross-country coach at Duke. And so she uh, is very busy and uh, very, very driven. She is also uh, a believer and uh, as, as her husband, and so we're, we're excited, of course, for that. No greater joy than seeing your children walk with the Lord. Amen. Well, as as you mentioned, uh, you know, Pastor Bill and Gina are your uh, daughter and son-in-law. So you were a part of the early uh, planting of Revolve, which we actually turned 10 years old in June. Yeah. So what is, what's your favorite part as, as being an elder? Um, what's your favorite part is, of being an elder here at Revolve? You can't. You don't have to pick just one, but you know what are some things that you really enjoy, Steve? Steve, over the years um, since I've become an elder, has really taught me just through his attitude and um, actions to just grow for a, a deep, deep love for the the gathering of the body of of brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I know that's just that is something that you really. You love the gathering, and uh, that's that's been something that you've taught me over the years. But um, so I don't want to steal your answer, but I <laughs> I just I do know that you you have a love for Revolve and, mm. and God's people. I I do, and uh, I'm I, I'm thankful that um, when I was at seminary, uh, there was that passion. Um, I don't want to say driven into me. It became uh, indeed a passion and a drive, but it was more just the the revealing of the importance of the church. And um, in Ephesians, we're reminded, um, you know, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, you know, the church is, um, is not perfect, it has spots and wrinkles, as that text uh, goes on to indicate. But Jesus um, died for it. Uh, his blood uh, established its birth. And he's never given up on us. With, with all of the mistakes that we've made and all of the less than honorable ways that uh, history has revealed our um, activities and... Um, Sometimes it's been an embarrassment with some of the things that have been done through the years, but through it all, we still belong to Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And I think it's so important that we recognize it as his bride. And um, that has always been near and dear to my heart. Um, I love to teach, David. I, I love to, as I, as I learn God's Word, um, I enjoy sharing it uh, with others. Um, and that has been uh, another really favorite part of, of my responsibilities and privileges here as, a, as an elder. Um, of course, when you think about being an elder, you, you can't help but think about uh, people. 
and um, shepherding mm -hmm. uh, is is something um, that is very important to me. Um, just being available sometimes to be an encouragement, not necessarily to have all the answers. Sometimes people just need somebody to listen yeah. and to hear them. Um, but um, hopefully to be able to go to the Word and to uh, share a passage or even a principle that might relate to them and whatever they're going through. Um, 2 Corinthians 1 reminds us that um, we go through what we go through on the difficult and challenging side so that in part we could be an encouragement to others as they go through uh, yep. their, their trial. Uh, so th and and we can't we can't function in the realm of the one another's uh, without one another as a as a soloist. Yes. You know, uh, yep. if if we try to do that, people are going to come in white suits and take us away. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, Steve. You know, he he mentioned that he loves to teach, and yeah, if if there's ever uh, we've been doing these uh, book clubs and these different classes during the week, um, you know. So whenever the next one that Steve preaches, I definitely um, recommend signing up because it's it's been a joy to learn from him and and uh, his love for for history and church history is is definitely uh, uh, on display when he teaches because it's it's uh, you can see his passion uh, when he teaches. So Steve, it's been great having you here with me. You can come by. Anytime, every any Monday, you can come. But uh, so let's just for the sake of time, we're gonna kind of wind this down. We're gonna have uh, some action steps for the week. And we talk about the one another's. We talk about being connected to the body. Um, fill out your connection cards. That is uh, the blue cards. We're really, you know, whether you filled one out in the past or or if you're new or whatever, uh, fill that out just because we can't get to know one another if we don't know you're here. And that's a, a, the connection cards, those blue cards, are, are a great way for us to stay connected with, uh, with you and, and help you get connected with us. And, and that's just the, the main kind of way of doing that. So uh, we also have the Hub, which is our discipleship uh, training program um, class um, that we do. I think that's going to be about five or six weeks starting uh, beginning of May with Pastor Bill, and that's going to be on Tuesday nights. And um, we also have a time of prayer uh, before the classes, so uh, that's going to change to Tuesday night as well. But, you know, and if you sign up, this is a big deal. Steve reminded me of this. If you sign up to be on serve staff, which we uh, we love to see everyone who goes to Revolve serving in, in some form or another as Gina reminded us that you know if we all pitch in you know many hands make light work so if we have a lot of people volunteering it only requires you to maybe serve uh, once every six weeks but when you sign up to be on serve staff you get a free t-shirt <laughs> so if you just don't feel like you have enough uh, royal blue or Kelly green shirts in your wardrobe I mean that's that's all the reason to sign up right there so, well, Steve, what would you like to what would you like to close with? What's your what's your final thoughts? Based well, off of everything, David, thank you. Pull for, all the uh, threads together. Yeah, for our thank time. you for having me. Um, it's it's been a joy um, just being able to share a little bit uh, with you and with the uh, the folks. Um, I guess in in reflection, um, once again, in yesterday's message of Sabbath rest, it. Um, it was really enjoyable for me to prepare the message because I had never uh, preached or, or taught. Um, and I had some um, assumptions that were uh, challenged a bit. Um, sometimes we even kid amongst ourselves of Sabbath rest being that Sunday afternoon nap. Um, and uh, while I am not against a nap of any kind Neither am on, I. on any day, um, I think, I think the intent of Sabbath rest is to reflect back on that perfect creation and how God on the seventh day rested mm -hmm. and how it was initially meant to be a day without end, 
in that the seventh day never had that little phrase as all the other days had. Then there was evening and there was morning. Hmm. So in a sense, that seventh day was to be a day without end. That was God's original intent. And of course, Genesis 3 came along and that whole notion was punctured. Yeah. But yet God sought to restore Amen. through Moses to the nation Israel, even while they were in the wilderness, a taste of that separation rest by reflecting back on that original creation, um, the beauty of it, the perfection of it, the completeness of it. But at the same time, to look ahead, though we have a taste of that Sabbath rest now as followers of Jesus, there will be that future day where there will be complete and full restoration and um, that original creation will be restored. And uh, that's a lot to think about yeah. uh, in terms of Sabbath rest, but uh, what, a, what a joyful uh, thing to well, think it was, about. It was restful that you shared it. I feel rested now thinking about it, and, uh, and I think that's an encouragement for us for the rest of our week to just rest that the, it is finished. And it is done through the work of Christ. Amen. So we will see you guys all this Sunday at Easter. Make sure you get there early. We are going to have the, uh, the outside, uh, kind of the adjacent deck um, that's connected to the restaurant will be open for some overflow. So, you know, get there early and, uh, you know, greet some folks around you that uh, you might not know. So thanks, Steve. And uh, we will see you on Sunday. Have a great week.